The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold, and uh, everyone calls me Bibs, by the way. I, I don't, and I don't have a nickname. You can call yeah. me just Whitney, and I'm he, fine. He usually doesn't interrupt <coughs> me when I do that. Although I, sometimes I ha- <laughs> sometimes I have to say my name is William uh, when I'm like giving my name at takeout restaurants or Starbucks, uh, just because it's easier. N- n- nobody can understand. Nobody understands Whitney. It's what? like they don't know that name, and rather than mispronounce, rather than spell it out, I just give them a fake. Even name. if they misspell it in the Whitney Houston way, I never heard that. No, I got I got Whit- I got Whitby recently. Oh, like Whit- Whitby Harbor from Dracula. Interesting. Anyway, uh, but, but we're on to suddenly last season. Yay! Here, here on cancel too soon. This is uh, one of our yearly events here at cancel too soon. The, the the pandemic and everything threw. Cancel too soon, all the way off. We still haven't done like our yearly awards. Mm. We're gonna do like a big, massive one, probably maybe at the end of the year. Uh, but we do a yearly event where we try to focus on the shows that were only recently canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no shortage of those, are there? Uh, everyone's trying to make the next big hit show, and when they don't work, or when they cost too much, or just when they're good but the ratings are down, uh, networks and streaming services move on. And uh, it's, it's sometimes every once in a while they come back. Mm-hmm. On a previous Suddenly Last Season theme month, uh, we covered the amazing series Tuca and Birdie, which, mm-hmm. thank you Adult Swim, did come back. It's, I think, the first instance of that happening, where we covered a show on Cancel Too Soon, and then it returned later. I think there were ones where like more episodes got released later, and we really do need to get back to, uh, yeah, what was it, of um, Gods and Kings? Of Gods and Kings, We yeah, need the, to get back uh, the, to that the, one of these the days. The biblical show. There was, like, they aired two episodes of this biblical show, and so we reviewed it, and then like a year or something later, they finally just said, well, we filmed the rest of the season, we'll just dump it onto streaming, so mm-hmm. one of these days we'll finish that up. Uh, but uh, it also happened with the... Um, was that Catherine Heigl legal series? Was it Doubt? Oh, yes. It was called Doubt. Yeah, yeah. That happened there as well, although that one we did catch up. Uh, but uh, in any case, so all of these shows that we're reviewing on uh, suddenly last season for the month of uh, September could theoretically return, but yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, got, we got some interesting uh, shows to talk about this season. Uh, sometimes we uh, discover some really exciting things that flew under the mm-hmm. radar. But we'll always like to focus on at least one or two of the big ones that everyone remembers. And we're going to get started right off the bat with a show that eh, pretty much as soon as it canceled, everyone was like, when are you going to cover this? And uh, uh, the answer high, is right now. High-profile high series, cost a lot, and canceled real fast. Yep. Like I think, I think several only a few days after they released it, they said no more. Nope, it's canceled. It's super expensive. Mm. It had a huge cast. It had a good pedigree, uh, but yeah, it just didn't quite connect. And we'll talk about why when we talk about Netflix's Jupiter's Legacy. Don't you remember 
the island. And what we had to do to earn these powers. 90 years. 90 years, and what do we have to show for it? We've made a difference, Shell. dad like when he was younger? Nothing ever rattled a bastard. The man I knew was never at home when I was a kid. Too busy saving the world. Jupiter's legacy. Jupiter isn't in it. No. I was well, upset about well. that. The, the planet of Jupiter shows up. E- eventually. A little yeah. cameo from the planet of the, Well, um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jupiter's in there. This is a, a superhero show. It's based on a comic created by Mark Millar, the kick-ass guy. He also <laughs> wrote um, some really popular stories for Marvel Comics. He was one of the masterminds mm. behind uh, the Civil War comic book series. Yeah, that, that was they, a big that they deal. they named yeah. the movie after. Uh, yeah. Also, um, the... Uh, he did uh, Kingsman, the, the Secret Service. Uh, he, the, was, he wrote mm. Wanted, which uh, that movie was based mm. on as well. Uh, he did a very famous Superman comic called Superman Red Sun, S-O-N, which uh, postulated what if when Superman landed on planet Earth, he landed in Russia during the Cold War. And mm. wouldn't that have changed everything? And probably. Uh, Soviet Superman. He wrote the Old Man Logan storyline that the movie Logan was loosely inspired by. They, mm. they changed a lot for it, but the general tone was there. Um, he uh, was responsible for writing The Ultimates, uh, which was a comic book that very dramatically reframed the way the Avengers were viewed in the 21st century. And although tonally the movies are very different, they definitely owe a bit of a debt to what he did with that. He's a very influential writer. Uh, for me, he's hit or miss. Uh, I've loved some of the work that he's done. I've completely rolled my eyes at some of the work that he's done. But uh, he's always making big the... swings, and I do appreciate that. Yeah, I... I... I'm not super familiar with his writing and comics. I just know like the films that have been made out of his work. And uh, that first Kingsman movie in Kick-Ass, I find to be completely loathsome. I do not like those movies at all. I still haven't seen the second one. Uh, just because I didn't care for the first one. So, okay, no, the, I've seen the second kick ass. Right. It's not very good. Uh, but I didn't see the second Kingsman just mm. because the first one just I did not care for yeah, the, at all. The, it's it's a little like really a, a, sure in, a, it, in, a, a, in an annoying way. Yeah, it, it's like yeah. a slightly more tasteful. You can tell that he's trying to push up against maybe uh, humanity's. Uh, Darker impulses and flaws and trying to fold that in organically with a superhero universe, which is a very morally absolute kind of universe. Yes, which is uh, which <clears throat> dovetails quite nicely uh, conversationally <clears throat> into Jupiter's legacy, <clears throat> which is very much uh, Mark Millar trying to create a new superhero uh, universe <clears throat> while uh, also using that universe to explore... Uh, issues of comic book morality, that black mm. and white morality, and whether or not that has any place yeah, which, in today. And that and that question is the more interesting part of Jupiter's legacy. I keep on calling it Jupiter's ending. I know, right? Uh, uh, J- Jupiter's legacy uh, takes place in two different time frames. We get to see the present day, and we also get to see a timeline in 1929 when the superhero characters... Uh, got their went through their origin story. Yeah, uh, their origin. The, this is uh, uh, so yeah. We have this sort of 
interesting uh, it's actually very dark you would think it would be more like pulpy and iconic the uh, 1929 through mm-hmm. it, it ends up taking us through the early 30s uh origin story but it's actually there's a lot of creepy shit happens in it mm-hmm. uh and then the modern day superhero stuff is about how the superheroes who were created in the 1920s and 30s uh went on to have children with superpowers but also uh sort of inspire a new generation of superheroes uh, who cannot live up to that legacy and are living in a very different well, moral universe. And, and indeed, that's uh, <clears throat> that's been a big issue with comic books in general. As comic books have continued on and on and on for decades, you can't tell the same... I mean, it's all in the same sort of superhero universe of right and wrong, good and bad, heroes and villains, but uh, modern audiences want stories with a little bit more pathos, a little bit more nuance, perhaps... Mm-hmm. Sometimes just so, more violence. Oh yeah, sometimes just more violence. Well, and, and, uh, and that's the, uh, yeah. Oh, but that's the the idea being that you know you read older comic books and uh, there's even though the, they were varied and there were like more violent characters back in the 1930s, the general uh, sense we get from the heroes of the 1930s were like Superman. They're all very uh, you know truth, justice in American way, and they they do not kill and they do not govern, and that's been sort of the yeah. Superman could have very easily mm-hmm. taken all of his superpowers and conquered the planet. Yeah, taken them, but and uh, he specifically chose not to. So, so in the, Jupiter's the, legacy, the idea, the idea that comic yeah. book writers kind of internalize this idea: do not kill, do not govern. Uh, is something that is actually spoken aloud a lot in Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. And but what happens when those heroes, uh, who age very slowly, by the way, yeah. uh, make it all the way to the present day, or it's kind of even the near future? Yeah. And now the world is a lot more violent, and yeah. super villains are willing to do a lot more extreme things. Is not killing or governing helping if these supervillains are breaking out all the time and causing more mayhem? And indeed, and and yeah. on top of it all, America is still America. It's mm. more divided than ever. Yeah. One has argued. Uh, they say that line in the show. Uh, you know, we, we're we're not in a good place right now. Mm. And if the uh, utopian ideals and the uh, main superhero played by Josh Duhamel is called the Utopian. Uh, are not inspiring anybody. What good are they? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on there. And I do appreciate a lot of this conceptually. I do appreciate that Jupiter's Legacy, and I didn't read the comics, so I can't speak to them, but I do appreciate that the television series is interested in having a conversation about what good superheroes are if they don't inspire us, because mm. that's a meta that's a meta narrative right there. If yeah. uh, you know mm. what, what good are superheroes fictionally? Mm. If we hold them off uh, hold them up uh, to these uh, uh, ideals and they aren't actually changing anything. That's, there's well, and, a question and, to be asked there. I'm not and saying that, it's And a, that's something that I think know. is something we can reckon with after, yeah. you know, 15, 20 years of all, you know, superhero film after superhero film. Mm. People are interested in the characters and they like sort of their personal narratives, but are they inspiring anymore? Well, and that's do, they, actually, do they even do anything heroic anymore? We're, we're yeah. so, so involved with their imaginary universe and the things they do for themselves that they're not even really fulfilling the function of superheroes anymore. So yeah. making a whole show uh, with that question in it is great. I think we're approaching an interesting point in superhero storytelling and mainstream media, movies and television in particular, where we're starting to hit a point that comic books eventually hit. Uh, comic books, obviously, medium that goes back over a century, and, and, and the antecedents are long, long before that. Um, but superhero comics uh which of course were inspired by uh you know pulp storytelling your mm. sorrows you're the shadows etc um 
especially when it came time for the uh, Comics Code Authority, uh, had a, a, a certain vibe, had a certain uh, approach. But as we started making more and more superhero comics, mm. as different companies started getting to the superhero comics game, as the superheroes who sold comics in one generation stopped selling comics in another and needed a change-up, one thing we discovered is that in order for this genre to persist and to remain relevant, it needs to have variety. Mm. We need to see comic books that approach superhero stories, larger-than-life stories, from different viewpoints, from different mm. perspectives, well, with different that was, ideologies. Uh, that was uh, the inspiration. Of, we actually talked about this when Stan Lee passed, yeah. about uh, how he in interviews admitted that uh, superhero stories were really boring to him. In fact, he, when because, he did Fantastic yeah. Four, he was trying to get fired. Yeah, he's he, like, I'm just going to do whatever I want, even though they tell me it's a terrible idea. Yeah, and, <laughs> it turns and out it's the best idea so, ever. Yeah, he, he had this job. It's like you have to. Write, it's like, well, I don't want to do this. Well, you know, what if uh, your 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 superhero actually like has to open a bank account and do like yeah. regular regular human stuff? What if your superheroes and have was, no secret identity? What if we just in, in, omit that altogether? Hmm. Uh, and what if your superhero is monstrous and people don't like looking at them? Yeah, so these these are uh, what if they were we, nerds? We take, we take these things you know? for granted yeah. now, but these were really novel at the time. And uh, and Stanley admitted he's just doing it to entertain himself. He wasn't yeah. like trying to revolutionize anything. He could have been fired and never could have caught on. Mm -hmm. It did catch on, and now yeah. we're having movies about them you know, decades down the line. Yeah. So Jupiter's legacy mm. is part of that. We're kind of take this interest, this new approach to something familiar. But the thing about Jupiter's legacy, which is kind of weird for me, is that Jupiter's legacy is itself not inspired so much by the original stories, but by the legacy thereof. Yeah. And there's a lot of different origin stories that are completely smashed together in order to create Jupiter's legacy. But it's also clearly inspired by various other comics that have dealt with this type of issue before. Mm. Uh, in particular, uh, I'm thinking of the two comics, uh, Squadron Supreme, uh, which was a very big deal. It was a, a alternate comic book superhero universe in which clear analogs for the Justice League. Mm. Uh, here is Hyperion, he's Superman, etc. Uh, and the idea is they realize that they're not doing any good, so they decide to just take over. Mm. And what happens <laughs> when the Justice League just mm. decides, for the good of us all... Mm. To take over the world. Well, lo look at the name. Superman. That comes from Nietzsche. Ubermensch. Yeah. And uh, this idea that there is there are people among us who are simply better. Mm -hmm. That that's a, that's a Nietzschean concept. Yeah. And the, and this and that you know these are the people who are going to uh, pursue for their own edification mm -hmm. rulership. Yeah. Because they they have better ideas now. People have twisted that a lot and said, oh, well, if there are people who are better, then they deserve to and yeah. have used that as an excuse for dominating. It, it yeah. wasn't about dominating others. It was about fulfilling your own power. It was more like self-esteem. Either way, if it can be, uh, it can be that dramatically. Yeah, but, uh, 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 yeah, it, it, but the idea, the, the Uru-Mensch, or yeah. translated Superman, uh, mm -hmm. is is the, sort of the concept that uh, the creators of Superman were borrowing uh, yeah. to create the character. And so we're going to see some analogs for so, famous yeah. superheroes here who start to turn on each other and start to lean more towards into a more fascistic ideology and moving away from a more classical superhero which, ideology which makes sense oh sure uh when you take the philosophy of a superhero comic to its extreme exactly uh and the other comic book that it mm. very clearly reminds me of in fact i think they even like visually name check it a few times uh is a comic book called kingdom come mm. uh, which is a very famous comic book from dc which takes place in the future 
and it's in the future where uh, the older, more idealistic superheroes like Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman uh, have, have aged out for the most part, and some of them have retired. And they've now given birth to a new wave of superheroes, not literally, but, you know, new superheroes, mm. uh, who are more inspired by 90s characters. Their names don't even make sense. They have a lot of shoulder pads and pouches. Uh, and uh, they have no qualms against killing mm. to solve their problems. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's all about how Superman decided, okay, nobody's listening to me anymore. Fuck all of you. I'm out. Hmm. And there's this incredible shot I always remember with uh, like Superman like pulling a whole plow on a on a an older Superman with a beard and he's hmm. pulling a plow all by himself. Oh, which is something and, in Jupiter's like so, something yeah. that the Utopian does as well on a farm and here and I think that I don't think that's a coincidence. Um so and Kingdom Kingdom Come covers a lot of these same topics where at, at some point you've hit a level of escalation where you've got all of these heroes and all these villains and they're trying to kill each other. Mm. And someone brings up a point in this uh, uh, show, you know, if a soldier kills in self-defense, mm. we don't consider them murderers. murderers. Yeah, they don't they they put also, on trial for murder. They also bring up that if a police officer does that the same, although... Again, both of these are not morally black and white issues here, are no, they? And, and of course, and, and police so, officers... Soldiers and police officers killing people mm. is is not a good thing. Yeah, and in fact, we, we actually have a responsibility to hold these people up to a higher standard. So when the Utopian, played by Josh Dumont, uh, says we have two rules we don't break. We, mm. don't, pay, we don't govern, and we mm. don't kill. Mm. That's the code. Once we do that, we break everything. Yeah. And... Everyone's lives are getting harder and harder, and people are at this point now where we are godlike beings. Nobody is listening to us. It would be nice if they would listen to there's, us. There's more and f- also, I'm sick and tired of not murdering. Well, this idea they there's a scene early in the series. I think it's in the second or third episode where we meet who is essentially like the, the Thanos of this universe, mm. like the super alien being. Yeah, his name is Black Star. Black Star. Yeah. And uh, who is played and, by Tyler Maine. And he's like trying to it take was the original uh, 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 oh, uh, was Sabretooth the next man. He was also, I think, he was also uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, in uh, Rob Zombie's movies. Yeah, mm. uh, notable for being a giant guy, <laughs> like really he's, big he's, dude. He's just a really you want a big dude in a movie. He, Tyler Mayne's a good guy. Uh, from what I understand, for the X Men movies, he was uh, cast as the stunt performer for Sabretooth. But when they put him next to the actor, they liked the way he looked better, so they just yeah. had him act the part as well. It, it, not, he, he not a great performance in that movie. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a lot of lines. He no, just sort of they, roars They really dumbed yeah. down Sabretooth in that movie. That was kind of bugged me. It's like, like Sabretooth wasn't, wasn't like a stupid guy. He was, a, he was just an evil he's, guy. He was an evil Wolverine. He doesn't have to be dumb. It's, it's a big ensemble piece. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I just turned him into a monster. You could have... Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Liv Schreiber ended up playing Sabretooth in X-Men Origins, and as bad as that movie is, Liv Schreiber's Really, really Liev Schreiber is just a great actor, yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, there's a, a that superhero fight scene where they're all trying to take him down, but he's too powerful. He's got yeah. some it's glo- the first episode. glowing. The the, first oh, it's the first episode. Yeah. He's got like this glowing orb in his chest that's protecting him. It's all this magical stuff, and uh, they're not going to kill him. They're going to put him yeah. in prison, even though he's about to yeah. kill them. In fact, he there's already a, has killed a couple of them. Mm, and yeah. yeah, so he he is a, a mad murderer. And is killing everybody and intends to destroy the world. And, uh, you know, in this morally absolute universe, okay, it makes more sense to put a character like that on uh, in a place where they can be maybe redeemed. That's an interesting mm-hmm. story to me when, when a supervillain is like in prison and is just sort of 
mm. like kind of thinking about all of the evil that they've done. Yeah. Which happens but, a lot yeah. in comics. But uh, yeah. a lot in comics. But, Sabretooth. Oh, fuck it. But yeah, comic books uh, have gotten so extreme now that just killing them off would take care of the problem a lot faster. Yeah, all and we really care about really is solving the problem. Solving the problem. That's, so that's just inhuman to think yeah. about. That, um, that turns life into an equation. Yeah. It doesn't work. And But, you know, I I, I forgot who, who mentioned this, um, but somebody was complaining about uh, a Batman story where Harley Quinn... Harley Quinn was invented as a, a, a comedy character. Mm-hmm. She, 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 was, was, she was she was she was a sidekick character at yeah, first. Much and, much yeah. in the tradition of the nineteen sixties Batman, where every time you saw a supervillain, they had a new girlfriend. Yeah, like a mall. She yeah. was the she was the girlfriend, mm-hmm. and they gave her so much personality and made her so interesting. They're like, shit, let's keep just, her around. I'll just She's give, cool. give her own. Yeah. And so th- for this cartoon series, she yeah. got her own comics, and now she has her own movies. Yeah. Uh, and but she's still sort of like a light, funny character. She's a mm-hmm. villain. She's violent, but she's, you know, anti-villain, I think. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. She just does heroic things from time to time. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to a, stay mad at her. She's sort of like this lightweight character. No, no match for Batman. You know, Batman's not going to have trouble with Harley Quinn. Mad love, but all right. <laughs> but there was a, a story in the Batman comics where Harley Quinn, like stole a bunch of nuclear bombs and was going to blow up a whole city. And, uh, like she was, I don't recall this. At like all. actually, going to murder millions of people, and if Harley Quinn is now escalating things to that level, it's like mm. okay, Batman. Th- this world is full of mad villains who are constantly keeping the world at hostage. You know, now now's the time to start murdering. Is this, what people were saying. Yeah, it's yeah. like if if a character like Harley Quinn is now like pushing things to such an extreme. Then you know, and the char- they're now so much more extreme than the heroes that the heroes now have to become more extreme to match them in these mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, that's that's the teeter- teetering point for Jupiter's legacy, and I think that's mm-hmm. a really interesting concept. I just yeah. wish the show had stuck to that. Yeah, because they bring it up, and then they spend well, more than half of the steer- the series doing the origin story in 1929. Yeah, it's a long thing. It's expensive too. Yeah. like it's not a cheap. Because like, Josh Duhamel like play, plays the utopian as an old man, so he's an old age makeup. They give him yeah. long hair and a long beard. He, lo- he looks like Bill Hader doing a Saturday Night Live sketch. I mean, every time I see him, it's like, <laughs> is Bill Hader playing God this week on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> the, the old age makeup is pretty good. Well, you they're not supposed to be it's... old, old. It's just uh, the idea is they've aged a little bit and their hair has gone they're... gray, but they're mostly they don't age very much. Yeah, that's the idea. It's like you know, it's ninety years later and they've aged like what twenty years. Yeah, they're Something, they're they're playing. Know? They look like they're about seventy, like like mm, they look really good for seventy. In, in good seventy year old people, in they look shape. they look like Hollywood seventy. Yeah, they're you know? Hollywood seventy. And yeah. uh, so yeah, Josh Dumal, we have his brother uh, Brainwave Walter, uh-huh. it, and this is another thing where they go by their mm. just real life names. Yeah, they almost never call except for the Utopian, who's like this superhero yeah. ideal. They almost never have, call. Uh, uh, that that character is played by Ben Daniels. Uh, then we have. Uh, the biggest star of the series, Leslie Bibb, mm-hmm. who plays uh, Grace. Uh, she's uh, AKA a, Lady Liberty. Yeah, uh, who is married to the Utopian and uh, is the mother to two uh, two superpowered children. Uh, there's uh, Brandon, played by Andrew Horton. He goes by the superhero name Paragon, and he's being groomed to take over the Utopian legacy to mm. become uh, the new pinnacle of the human spirit. Uh, and that's a lot to live up to. Yeah. Like, I do appreciate that they talk about how Superman was your dad and he's holding you up to Superman ideals from birth. Mm. Like, Dad, you went through like 35, 40 years of life before you earned these powers. 
we were expected to do it from day one. That's a fucking lot. <laughs> and I do appreciate that. I think it's a good conversation that they have. Uh, his sister is uh, Chloe, is played by Elena Camporis. Uh, and she, even though she has superpowers, she has rebelled against the life of superheroing and is instead living as a famous model hmm. who everyone knows is a superhero and is the utopian's daughter. Yeah. So she's capitalizing same. on that. So she's basically so, yeah, become... She, she can punch people through walls, but she's more interested in yeah, yeah mo- modeling, staying out of the superhero biz, and mm-hmm. doing a lot of drugs, including superhero drugs. Yes, which they don't really get into as they much ex- as I thought they would. explain what, what it they, is. Like, she, she's a... Co- maybe they would do that later. She does a lot of cocaine, and then when that's mm-hmm. not giving her the high she wants, she finds this other kind of powder that she snorts, and it's yeah. clearly like superhero powder. I think clearly But it doesn't were... do anything for her other I, than get her more high. I think they were going to go somewhere with that and obviously the, yeah, the like series never the, quite the drug continued. is going to do something to her body I mean, it doesn't um, do anything there is a, a character named Hutch uh, played by Ian Quinlan uh, and uh, he is the son of one of the members of uh, the original superheroes who eventually decided that the other superheroes are doing it wrong and became the world's greatest supervillain hmm. uh, that guy has gone missing nobody knows where he is and uh, Hatch has become uh, a leader of a small but pretty decent supervillain crew who pull heists. And he's got a cool power, actually. And it's not really a power as much as it is it's a, a gizmo. A, a, a widget. He's got a big power rod. Hmm. Uh, it's not, you know, it's, it's, like, it's it, like a little baton. Yeah, it, it, it looks like yeah. the size of one of those Amazon Echoes before they shrank them. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little unwieldy and big. Hmm. But the whole thing is, he it can teleport. Hmm. And he can just hold this thing and say Idaho boom he's somewhere in Idaho mm. he can hold this thing and says my house and he's in his house or he can do something really fucked up with it and like there's a there's an episode where he's uh, he owes a lot of money to a supervillain called Big Man mm. and uh, Big Man's like you gotta pull these heists from me or I'm gonna kill you and all your friends and he's just like alright I'll see what I can do and when it doesn't work well he just says fuck it and he looks at this thing and he says big man's heart and it vanishes <laughs> and then he says home and then it comes back and, and it's, it's covered in good. blood <laughs> And it's like that's a that's a neat thing. Yeah, that's well, a neat gimmick. I haven't really seen in superhero shit before. It's, that's creative, and I like that. It, one. It's a neat gimmick because it gets your imagination going. Yeah, what, what would I do if I had that? Where would yeah. I send it? There, uh, a, a bad guy is threatening him, and he hands it to him, and he says, "Shark infested waters." And he goes, <laughs> bloop, bloop. and then he says, "Home," and it appears in his hand. It's got like seaweed on it. <laughs> Like, I don't know where that is. It could be anywhere, but yeah. Yeah, th- we know <laughs> there's sharks Dude's around. Dead now. <laughs> it would be funny if he was just like in SeaWorld. Yeah. <laughs> just, there's a shark tank in SeaWorld. Ah, shit. There's <laughs> little like. Escape. There's like little they're, they're one recently foot. recently fed. They're fine. It's like those one foot long sharks you see at SeaWorld <laughs> that you can pet. I, well, I, I wish they had done something creative like that. That would have been but, funny. But, um, but, and we'll learn later on that that guy is dating uh, the Chloe character. Well, eventually they date. We don't learn that. They eventually meet and start dating. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the daughter of, basically the daughter of Superman dating uh, um, the son of bad guy number three. I can't think of like mm-hmm. a betraying superhero off the top of my head. But um Anyway, so that's the main cast. There's also a few others uh, here and there. We meet a lot of uh, young superheroes, most of whom are not long for this world. (laughs) Many of them die quite badly. Um, 
But um, yeah, so uh, let's talk our way through real fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go through the flashbacks since that's kind of uh, self-contained. Well, they uh, they uh, it, it's frustratingly too self-contained, and it ta- and they flash back and forth throughout the course of the series. Yes, yeah, a lot. So, and, uh, uh, it really it, didn't need to be this long. It didn't. Need, we didn't need any of it because I, it doesn't inform anything. No, we're, we're so familiar with superhero tropes, we don't need to see it start again. But the idea is, uh, um, it's 1929, mm-hmm. and uh, the big um, yeah, Sheldon and Walter. Josh Dumont and Ben Daniels are brothers and they're brothers and their father uh, owns a steel mill Mm. and uh, just before uh, the stock market collapsed in 1929 uh, the steel mill decided to invest in heavy expansion Mm. and so when the stock market collapses uh, everything goes completely tits up and uh uh, and, and their father kills himself, jumps off a building, and it right, turns right out right in front of, of Josh Duhamel. Yeah, which is very traumatic, as you can imagine, under any under any circumstance. Uh, and it turns out that Josh Duhamel never really knew his father uh, because his father actually like took money from his employees' pension funds in order to fund this expansion. So now that the company is going belly up, all of their employees no, are fucked, money. Yeah, and uh, everyone's really mad at him, the, and with uh, good cause. The the steel mill thing and the the pre crash thing is all very evocative of stuff like Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're tying in sort of those Randian concepts with superheroes. Yeah, which, which is, is interesting. Know, it, it's interesting. It's done, I, it's I wish they had again addressed those concepts. Uh, but so so he ends up uh, having a, a nervous breakdown, and in the middle of his nervous breakdown, and they never quite explain what the impetus is. Maybe they would have mm-hmm. later. Um, he has a vision. He, he has yeah. a vision, and his vision starts driving him mad. And his friends are start really worrying about him. And he starts like drawing things he's never seen before. And it turns out that his uh, best friend, uh, George, played by Matt Lanter, who was also rich but lost everything in the in mm-hmm. the crash, um, unlike uh, uh, his fiance who disappears after a while, uh, and his brother believes him. Says, oh, I actually think you might be onto something here. I don't know what's going on, but I, I, believe, I believe in your visions. Your visions, yeah. your visions, you're clearly actually, maybe it's a memory that you've lost or something, but you should look into this because something's happening to you. And he ends up running away, uh, going to the Dust Bowl, where he finds the farm that he saw in his visions. Uh, it is uh, owned by... Um, oh, the Kurt Smith. Thank you, Kurtwood Smith. I almost said Michael Ironside. They always oh. similar to me. they play very similar roles a lot of the time. But Kurtwood Smith, great actor. They, they, they've both played a lot of heavies. Yeah, uh, Kurtwood Smith. Uh, it turns out uh, has also had these visions, uh, and he actually had them after uh, he was in the Navy and his ship crashed after finding a mysterious island. Uh, he also has uh, killed a lot of people in his basement mm. and decides to kill himself in front of Josh Dumal. And so Josh Dumal goes, yeah, and he has mm. this vision in the basement where all of the corpses are people that he knows, except for a couple he hasn't met yet. But he also sees longitude and latitude, latitude coordinates. So he decides to take those to heart and go on an expedition and find this mysterious island, much like Skull Island from King Kong, uh, they have difficulty enlisting everyone, but of course they do. Uh, mm. And they find this island. This island is very Lovecraftian. The geography doesn't make sense. And uh, once they finally get there, after a lot of difficult adventures, they find out that it is testing them to see if they can put aside their shitty human natures and actually work together and forgive each other and be better people which they do, and then they find themselves on one of the moons of Jupiter. So now we're doing 2001 A Space Odyssey. 
Briefly. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, when they emerge, they emerge in superhero costumes and they decide to start making the world a better place. Uh, Also in that period, uh, Leslie Bibb was a uh, newspaper reporter who had reported on his Mm. father's misdealings. uh, And uh, yeah, eventually they'll get together, I guess. And that takes eight fucking episodes. Honestly, I wish what they had done Mm -hmm. is if they had done like a couple of superhero episodes and then just done that as like one episode or a a two-parter. Just take a break. Uh, We'll do a two-parter. Leave us on a big cliffhanger. Explain the backstory a little bit. That would be cool. That's all we need. That's all we need. But stretching it out like this just makes it it feel really padded. It's not actually. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of momentum and interesting stuff in it. But when you're constantly intercutting it with a story that doesn't really directly relate, it's rough. Hmm. Um, that's actually an issue it's, I have with The Godfather Part 2 sometimes where like you know listen it's all the Robert De Niro stuff as the young uh, 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 Vito Corleone is cool mm. but it actually doesn't really connect very well to what Michael Corleone is doing it just feels like they're just together in a way and that's um, actually I, I think that movie's great mm. but I always felt like it would have been stronger if it had been planned to connect in like a direct way, like the scene transitions have been like between mm. one or the other had made sense and didn't just you, seem like you could, if, if it had paralleled sort of like Michael's fall, but we already saw Michael's moral fall in the previous yeah. movie. So yeah, um, we already saw yeah. his rise. His rise was in the previous movie as well. So mm. Vito Corleone is rising and Michael is trying to keep power. It doesn't really feel like the same. It doesn't really feel like they belong together in some way. It's a fine film, but that's also a good point. Yeah, um, just a little thing. It's also, if, if you're going to uh, show... And, you know, it's about sort of uh, how how they got their superpowers, but it's not about the foundation of principles, no. which really in a superhero show, you don't need anymore. The, that element of superhero lore is so baked into so much of the media we consume right now. Are you talking about the origin or the origin of principles? The, origin of powers the, and principles? Both. Okay. Like, uh, powers, okay, each story can be a little bit different. People mm. like origin stories. Uh, yeah. they're, at some they're point, still making to, them, so. At some point, yeah, that's the reason why we have mutants in the uh, Marvel in the Marvel universe, was mm. Stanley was tired of doing origin stories. It's like, they're just, just people just born with powers. It's yeah, fine. so much easier, honestly. Yeah. I don't have to keep coming up with ways to irradiate people. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and we're still getting the movies. Shang-Chi is an origin story. Sure. Um, as of this recording, that's a brand new movie. Mm. Uh, so you can tell an origin story about how, how they got their powers. Okay, I had a vision. It was given to me by some divine force. And I knew yeah. to go to this uh, island. And if we uh, were a pure of heart and put our hands on this rock, we get superpowers. And the ghosts cool. of our ancestors give us superpowers. Okay, fine. You need a sentence. You can tell that story, though, if you need to. Yeah. What's more important to something like Jupiter's Legacy is the origin of the principles. Who was he? What did he believe? Have more discussions like that so you can parallel why that's not working anymore in the modern yeah. day. Why were these? Why was this set of principles, which made mm. sense in 1929, mm. not applying now? What is the difference? And this is a generational story that happens all the time. Mm. We see this in almost all generational stories where the values of a parent no longer apply today. They are outdated. They are comparatively ignorant or racist or mm. sexist or homophobic. But those are like values that they grew up with. Exactly. So, it so they, they, they don't shirk them very them. easily. Yeah. yeah they, it's, it's built into their, their sense of self. Mm. So to change that is difficult. And this, a lot of drama comes from this. And the most heroic stories of personal growth are people overcoming their worst nature. Mm. Um, yeah, we don't really get 
that. It's basically they get superpowers, and now Josh Dumal, who was always a pretty decent guy, hmm. just says, by the way, I come up with a code. Oh, cool. And, and we have a round table. It's like in the, in the last episode. It's like, yeah. now we're superheroes, we have outfits. Look, we're trying it out. And I think in the last episode, they're they're like meeting at a diner saying, wow, look, we're superheroes now. And that's all they do with the origin story stuff? What's weird about it is that they... I wonder if they would get to this in, if they, if it began. Mm-hmm. I know the comic book went on. I know a few things that happened later in the comic book because they're like okay. big bullet points are on the Wikipedia page. But what's weird to me about this origin story is uh, two things. Uh, one, mm-hmm. they uh, go to this island and they emerge as superheroes very much in the vein of DC and Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm comic books which wouldn't be written for another seven years or so by based on when and abouts they get those powers so uh these are iconographies that they don't have any context for so just mm. falling into the role of a superhero is weird because that concept didn't exist yet so yeah so having the costumes and yeah, fighting crime yeah that is, part is a is, novel, novel idea it, where did they come up with that mm. what, what was that dictated to them because honestly it feels like and i kind of wish they'd explored this element a bit more it's less that they are superheroes and more that they are a greek pantheon of gods which is a very uh dc comics thing a very dc comics thing but not at the beginning not well i mean okay fine wonder woman but like for the most part no what they weren't conceived of as okay superman is zeus batman is so and so like that kind of came in later when everyone realizes that those pieces fell into place mm. they're starting out that way this is a a a, a, a dysfunctional family basically mm. of uh, some people know each other really well and have a lot of baggage some people are new or whatever but like they all get powers and they're all gonna kind of live above the concept of humanity at the very least on a baseline level because they have superpowers mm. And they're going to live for an incredibly long time. Yeah. Uh, and their perspective on reality is going to change. And much like the Greek gods, they can choose to affect the lives of humans. Or they can choose not to. Mm-hmm. And what, what, they can decide what, yeah. what their responsibility is based on their Again, whims, based what, on who they are what, as characters. What le- that's, that's actually an excellent point. Not only yeah. do, did we not see their origin of principles, we didn't see the origin of how they came up with the idea of a superhero. Exactly. So when you <clears throat> got this... <clears throat> Very self-referential storyline mm. where the mo- where the not the movie the the show is referencing all of these pre-existing ideas, but again, this is in a universe where the Superman comic book wouldn't be written for better part of a decade. Mm. So we don't when, have that as a baseline. The first Superman was thirty-eight or I want to say it was thirty-eight. Yeah. I want to say it was thirty-eight. So <clears throat> better, a little more, a little more mm. than half a decade. I think the island sequence on this movie takes place in about thirty-one or thirty-two, give or take. Okay, so five or six years. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Um, I realize you don't want us to think about it, but the longer your show is, the more time we have to think about it. Uh, but the other thing, and this is something that I think they would have gotten to because mm-hmm. it's so big that it's weird that they, that they wouldn't. And it's kind of, there's kind of an implication, but whatever. By the time we hit the present day in Jupiter Ascending, mm-hmm. Initially, it's just these. It's, you said Jupiter ascending. You did it. Damn it! <laughs> Jupiter ascending. Jupiter. So good. Jupiter's legacy. I like Jupiter's ascending yeah. so much. By the way, um, I, I, th- I probably did it a couple times as well. Yeah, anyway, we apologize. <clears throat> uh, take a drink every time this podcast mm. we do it. Uh, but uh, you've got the original team of superheroes. Mm. Where did all these other superheroes come from? I understand if they're like the children of these superheroes, but where the fuck did all these other people come from? 
That, what? What? One of my favorite lines of dialogue from uh, the the Avengers movies is when uh, Paul Bettany uh, yeah. bring, and this was in uh, Civil War because okay. the the one of the themes of that movie uh, is regulating superheroes. Mm-hmm. Who do you work for? It's like, well, nobody. We just sort of do it ourselves. Yeah. Well, you're you could destroy the world, and you are. You're wrecking shit and killing people. Mm-hmm. Who's who's your boss? And uh, Paul Bettany. Uh, rather rightly says, actually, yeah, we need a boss because look around like just a couple of years ago, there was just Iron Man. Now there's like dozens of us and mm-hmm. it's only going to keep getting worse from here. <clears throat> and we know that's an issue uh, because Marvel comics owns 7,000 characters. They're going to start <laughs> putting them all in there. Yeah. This is going to be a superhero world pretty soon. Yeah. A sizable percentage of the population is going to have superpowers. Yeah. Yeah, we need a boss. We need regulation on these thousands Wait, of people. We, we haven't right started right in with the mutants yet. My God, that's yeah, going to be a significant and, part of the population. And, yeah. and now, yeah, now, now because we know of the business deal is all those mutant characters are going to be thrown into the Avengers universe as yeah. well. Uh, it, it, we just sort of take for granted that it's it's a self perpetuating machine. Yeah. One superhero, and they just start multiplying. Yeah, it just they attract supervillains, which attract other heroes, and all of a sudden there's hundreds and hundreds of superheroes. So yeah, I think we kind of took for granted mm-hmm. that if there's get five superheroes, all of a sudden there will be more. There's gonna but be these more. guys had to go through this incredible journey to get their mm. powers, and now everyone does. I think I, the I idea... haven't yet seen a superhero universe where there's only five and it stays mm-hmm. five. Uh, there was the, there was a Superman alternate universe where there was just Superman. That was it. Well, and, and that's when you watch the movies, those are the movies we see where there's yeah. only ever just one superhero. Yeah, there's Spider-Man and every once in a while, like a villain appears, but yeah. it's pretty much just Spider-Man. But in this world, yeah. there is just Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, because the, because the, these the people world. didn't have the rights to all those yeah. other characters and yeah, just also people thought that people wouldn't get it. Well, also that, you know, it's it's easier to accept a single superhero's journey if they live in the real world with us. Yeah. If they live in a comic book world with thousands of other superheroes, they don't have to work as hard, do they? Well, there's also the idea of the idea of what if uh, if you consider a superhero to be an escapist fantasy, you mm. want them to be rooted in a world we recognize, exactly, so that they can escape that world. Mm. So yeah, um, Metropolis is Superman City because we don't want a bunch of other superheroes running around on a certain level. One of my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite mm. uh, explanation for why mm. superheroes suddenly start appearing and why they start suddenly mm. start appearing on mass uh, is actually from a comic we've talked about a few times before in the podcast called Earth X. Uh, Earth X takes place in an alternate future of the Marvel Universe, which nowadays is a bit outdated because everything's changed in the present. But um, at the time, it was very on the nose, very topical, uh, and it's really good. Uh, But one of the ideas is that when superheroes started showing up on Earth was basically a... Without going into the... There's a lot more to it, but in the real basics, uh, we became the white blood cells for the planet. Hmm. Where all of a sudden the planet is evolving to a state where it needs more protection. And now people are getting superpowers in order to fight off threats to the planet. Sort of antibodies. Yeah. Yeah. That's clever. Mm. That is not only kind of neat and different, but I can wrap my head around that. It's like like one of those great Star Trek metaphors where like we're going to do something stupid with sci-fi tech. But because we equate it to something we can recognize, we can go, that makes sense. Mm. And so, cool. So I like that one a lot. I get the impression that when uh, these guys became superheroes, there's this, like, blast wave that emerges from the island. Oh, okay. We don't see it encompass the entire planet. Might have been a good idea if we did. But mm. I think maybe the idea is that they uncorked this. 
And no, now, okay. they're, and now, I, I they're, and now more people are going to get it. That's I would, not made explicit, but that's fine. I would um, be fine if that was it, but it would be nice if it was made explicit. No, there's, um, uh, there's a moment in um, Avengers Endgame when uh, mm. the Hulk has the magic wishing stones and he yeah. resurrects everybody in, yeah. <clears throat> in this one fell swoop. I like to think that this is going to be like a hand wavy excuse as to why there's more superpowered beings because mm. the Hulk is a superhero. He hangs around with other superpowered beings. He's he thinking of heroism, heroism at the time and he accidentally resurrected people with superpowers. <laughs> so now there's like thousands more people that just have superpowers now. I have this, I have that, this, that would be a good sort of excuse to... I that, this, that would also excuse like uh, the, the sudden appearance of mutants. That was what I was... That was like what I was they, they've been hiding out this whole time. No, they, they were just created all of a sudden yeah. in, in this one thing where I, like half of the galaxy was resurrected. I this, I had this thing I came up with. I had just written mm. this like half page. It was gonna be the last episode or the last like scene mm. uh, in uh, the, whatever Infinity War, or whatever it turned out to be. I don't uh. think it was even named yet. But I was just like, how are we gonna do this? So here's my idea. The last scene. This is my idea at the time. It doesn't make sense now. <laughs> but the, the last scene was everyone like sort of like coming back to the Avengers Tower after defeating Thanos, and it's Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. Like, okay. Whew. That was crazy. Are, are we sure we put everything back to normal with the Infinity Gauntlet? You know, with, because that thing could do anything. We could make differences and we'd never even know. And Doctor Strange's like, no, I'm pretty sure we did everything right. Tony Stark's like, cool. All right, I'm late to Professor Xavier's TED Talk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, we, we messed up the timeline. But they don't uh, know. They would yeah. never know. So, <laughs> so it's they, just, now there's just X-Men. Now there's just X-Men and there always have been. Why not? I don't know. It would have been clever, I thought. excuse as any. But anyway, they I, didn't go I, I that I prefer direction. that kind of like anti-climax yeah. to like building up to a big event because yeah. they're building up to the multiverse stuff. They are. It's like, you don't need to build up. That's a, a concept I can grasp. Yeah. I've seen an episode of Star Trek. I understand the multiverse. <laughs> well, in any case. Um, yeah, but yeah, they don't really explain why there's a lot of superheroes in Jupiter's legacy. There just are. And, yeah. uh, and of course, they have... Uh, and this is another thing taken from a lot of modern superhero stories. They have a lot of personal problems uh, with each other and uh, uh, PR. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the first superhero story was to deal with PR, but I know it started to creep into a lot of comics in like the 80s and 90s. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Lois Lane was kind of single-handedly responsible for Superman's PR. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's built in kind of from the beginning. It's how the media would treat a Superman. Um Spider-Man as well. J. Jonah Jameson is the anti-PR, but whatever. Um, But in any case, so the present day of Jupiter's legacy, um, Jupiter is, sorry, Jupiter, the Utopian is worried that his kids won't be able to continue his legacy and someone needs to. Uh, This uh, supervillain breaks out of prison, or so we think. His name is Blackstar. And uh, he starts killing off the younger heroes. Mm. And he's about to kill the Utopian when Paragon, Utopian's son, uh, decides to save his father's life, and the only thing he can think of is to kill Black Star. Mm. So he uses his laser vision and like no, I think he just punches his head off. Yes, he just punches. It, he has no laser vision yet. He punches his head off, and like his face is all smashed in. It's all gloopy and gross. Mm. And everyone's all, pretty only a piece of his brain. Really and everyone's is. pretty fucking horrified. And he just saved his dad's life, and his dad's like, "What have you done? Mm. You just killed a guy. You just killed a guy. It's like he was going to kill you." I'm like. Yeah. Then you take him to outer space. <laughs> like, didn't you see Batman v Superman? Like, we know what we should have done. Or Man of Steel. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry, Man yeah, of Steel. Yeah, 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 my bad. Yeah. Well, fight me on my terms. We're gonna fight on the moon. You know, we're, yeah. we can't hurt any. No, we're gonna lay waste to Metropolis. Yeah, this is this why movie. you don't fucking do that. Like, people aren't happy with it, and so, and then they, and that leads to the question of why isn't Paragon in prison? And there's actually a bit where it turns out that was a clone of Black Star. Black Star was in prison the entire time, and when he finds out that Paragon killed him, he's like, 
uh, you guys are a bunch of fucking hypocrites, aren't you? <laughs> what the fuck? You just killed a guy. I mean, no, it's it's kind of not me, but it was a person you thought T- it was. T- Tyler Maine, I think, gives my favorite performance in this show. Yeah. Like, J- Josh Dumal, like, he gives like a lot of the heavy lifting. He's pretty jo- good. He's okay. Josh Dumal is doesn't have the greatest range as an actor. I've seen no, him as soldiers he, in a lot of movies. He doesn't really have the gravitas. I buy him on the young stuff more than I buy him on the old stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's good as sort of like a, a, a fallen... Uh, rich broker in the 1920s. I kind of wish they had just cast, I wish they would do this more, hmm. just cast an older actor and a younger actor. Like <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Who well, cares? Just and, do and, it for fuck's sake. Idea, and if, if they're aging slowly, maybe you don't have to age him up so much that you have to give him the long hair and the beard. Like yeah. Leslie Bibb, they change the color of her hair. She looks pretty much identical yeah. in both time frames. Just do that. Why not? Well, they didn't... They didn't give any old give age a, give makeup a, to Leslie. Give, like give her like beard. a little old age makeup yeah. to Leslie. Like, they, they, yeah. they like give her a little crow's feet. Like that's it. Like, like yeah, that's, that's, it. that's kind of it for Leslie. Yeah, they don't, they don't go nuts. Hmm. But um, so anyway, uh, and uh, now the idea is that supervillains have heard about this and they're starting to get more and more violent hmm. as a result. Here's a problem. Until the last couple of episodes, we don't see that. Yeah, we don't see the supervillains killing people, and that makes the uh, main ethical problem of the series purely academic and that is a huge fucking problem because it's the whole concept it, it's the whole con- and if they had if it was all academic but it, they were having a lot of discussions about it, if it was talkier maybe uh, but it may, still would maybe. have been you still would have wondered and it's an expensive show where are we watching or, or save money just have a lot of like mm. make the costumes make the the, the makeup and have them like at their round table talking, you know, debating the ethics of superheroes. Or you have that would be an interesting show to me. Have them go to more funerals. Whatever. Yeah, there you have, go. have those scenes where they're shipping the superheroes back to the fortress of whatever. Mm. You could have done that. You could have opened every single episode <clears throat> with a new young superhero getting killed. There you go. You know, like that kind of thing. And it would have really built up the stakes and it really would have solidified the kind of world that we're living in, which is very different from that old world we keep flashing back to. Yeah. Um, that's a mistake. Mm. Because one of the problems with this show, and it doesn't bother me so much because I binged it and it felt like just one long movie, but compared to a lot of other superhero shit, the show's pretty slow. It's it's it really takes it's time. really slow, and it's like um, I got this feeling when I was watching that show, Heroes, mm-hmm. another superhero show, mm-hmm. Heroes, which I think might be the only this. The only successful superhero franchise that wasn't based on a comic book, if I understand. Uh, I mean, on television? Uh, like, the, uh, from TV or movies that didn't have a comic book origin. Well, I mean, it... Because that, that's... A, no, because then there's a lot of, like, others, like Zorro. Well, was based no, on a book. What I'm saying is, you know, I find it very uh, curious that in this uh, last 20 years of like this ascendancy mm. of superheroes in cinema and on TV, yeah. that there haven't been a lot of also rans in the game. Mm-hmm. But that again, that it, all of the the big successful ones have been based on previous properties. They're characters we kind of know or are connected to characters we know. Right. And there haven't been a lot of people who have come forth with uh, more jumpers or mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's another example or heroes, yeah, I, yeah. which. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's based on a comic. No, it's highly influenced hmm. by uh, the Watchmen, but no, it's that. It's yeah, not. but um, um, Heroes. But when I was watching Heroes, I got really impatient with it mm-hmm. because I I knew the superhero trope so well. Mm-hmm. They were just that, waiting for him to that I'm. Get it's on like with I, it. I see yeah. the pilot. It's like and I start the second episode. It's like I've seen X Men, the X Men movies. You're just going to take a long time to tell the story, so I just skip to the end just to see yeah. how it ended. Um, I think that there again. I think that there's some where if you expand on your idea of what a superhero is, you'll find more like. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. definitely a superhero story. Yeah, it's a supernatural superhero story, but it's definitely a superhero story. That kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, 
But um, anyway, so yeah, so basically the idea is the supervillains are ramping up all their shit. Yeah. Uh, Utopian is trying to instill upon Paragon all of his values, and he's a little worried he may have already lost Paragon. Like there's no hope for him. He may have just be bad now. Yeah. Um, and uh, what it boils down to as as time goes on is in order to find out where this Black Star clone came from. They need to g- f- use uh, Brainwave, Walter, Utopian's brother's mm. uh, psychic powers, uh, to go into his dead brain and find what he can find. And in order yeah, to do that, the, they need to jumpstart the brain. It's a little unnecessarily elaborate. They have to, and they have to bring in some supervillains to like hold his brain together. And, yeah, uh, turns one, out one turns out Brainwave's one, daughter is also a psychic, but she's an assassin. Yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of it's this whole subplot of like going to Japan to get her. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, he goes into her mind, and he goes to the Black Star's mind, and there he finds Sky Fox, uh, the superhero uh, who became a supervillain. Uh, presumably that would be the flashbacks that we would see I, I in wish, season yeah, two. Uh, I wish we had seen that. Because he, he shows up in the psychic space. Yeah. Uh, the Fox character. Yeah. And they start fighting, and we have, we've we've never seen these characters really interact in any kind of meaningful way. So I assumed, I actually wasn't even sure what was going on. Yeah. It's like, okay. but Again, we're, academic. We're, that it's, whole it's idea academic of Sky and, Fox being a bad guy is academic. And because we're yeah. in this sort of abstract space, that guy could have been anything just in that costume. Yeah. And I thought he was fighting himself for some reason. Yeah. I thought he was another, like an alternate evil version of himself. Yeah. Which he kind of represents in a way, but I yeah. thought it was like a literal fighting himself scenario. Yeah. Anyway, can he get out of this corpse's mind before the corpse dies and he gets trapped in there forever? Leslie Bibbs gets sent in there to... Get him out again, yada, yada, yada. He makes it. He tells everyone, ah, Sky Fox is the true villain here. Uh, And uh, it turns out, Hmm. actually, the real villain, the one who cloned Blackstar, this is the whole cliffhanger Hmm. ending of the series, the one who cloned Blackstar, the one who's been uh, pushing superheroes to become more violent, Hmm. the one who's been driving a wedge between Paragon and his father, was Brainwave, Walter, all along. Turns out he's kind of a dick. He's been uh, manip- manipulating things to an end that doesn't really seem fully explained to us. Well, again, the show got canceled, yeah. didn't it? Presumably there would be more to that. Uh, this should be hmm. a big cliffhanger. Oh, no. Brainwave's a bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work because, A, the reveal is clunky. It's actually kind of hard to tell what's going on because he's like talking to his psychic daughter and you think he's accusing her of something, but it turns out she's accusing him and there's a lot of double speak and he's talking to Utopian, but he's not actually doing anything. It's just not a good reveal. Mm. It's a very clunky reveal. Um, but also in the past, we saw that he had this giant wedge between him and Utopian from the mm. beginning. So if you ask me which of these other heroes is going to betray Utopian, uh, Walter <laughs> is the one. It's not. It would be. It would be a shock if it was Leslie Bibb. Yeah, that would be a shock. Who, I'd be who, like, "Whoa, uh, what and, the fuck?" And Leslie Bibb, who's um, tr- like carrying a moral torch, and as you know, mm. um, she's the one who's a little bit more interested in her kids as people. Yeah. So she's the one who actually has a lot of interactions with the Chloe character. Yeah. Uh, she's the one who has like more human conversations with her son, mm-hmm. and uh, she is beginning to see sort of how useless. Uh, th- this code of honor is, mm-hmm. and she is the one who has a big moral fall. And she's actually when she commits a murder late in no, the she show, doesn't. She, she doesn't. 
She beats the guy to death. And then, no, it looks like she beats the guy to death. And then she says, I, she walks out and mm -hmm. he says, that guy needs an ambulance. She didn't kill him, but she almost did. Oh, she, oh somebody said we need a coroner. Oh, I heard. Yeah. Hmm. She actually killed that guy. I thought she didn't. No, she okay. did, and that was mm. and that was the big moral turning did, point of the I'm, show. I'm going to ask anybody because the first one could have been like an isolated incident, but okay. she actually chose to kill that Th guy. That is a big, yeah. big, big difference in interpretation. So uh -oh. I want to ask our listeners if you saw this show, mm. uh, could you please tweet us at Critic Acclaim mm. and uh, just let us know how you interpreted that scene where a character we had come to like very, very much is killed by a supervillain and Leslie Bibb beats the living crap out of them to the point where blood splatters on her mm. face. I thought when she left that her dialogue implied that although she had beat him very severely, he was alive. Okay. Whitney thought she killed him. That is a very different reading yeah, in the text based me, on the uh, ethics of the movie, or basically the ethics of the yeah. show. No, regardless of what the show intends, clearly yeah. it's capable of getting both readings. I'm curious what you took away from it. So if you saw the show, please let us know. Tweet us at Critic Acclaim. We would love to hear from you because uh, this happens sometimes. This happened mm. when we reviewed, um, what was that Star Trek episode that was the Vietnam allegory? Was it? Oh, it was, um, not... it wasn't Patterns of Force, was it? No, that was that was the Patterns of Force Nazi episode. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I forgot the title right now, but um, yeah, it's... A Private Little War. Private Little War, that's it. Yeah, that's one where Whitney and I had a very different interpretation of what the last couple of lines of dialogue mm. meant. And we weren't alone on that. And mm. it was an interesting conversation to have. So we'd love to hear back from you. Let us know. Um, but, mm. um, so yeah. So the, the cliffhanger is, oh no. Mm. There's someone working from within, again, to destroy the superheroes, again. I, I just looked up the synopsis and it says, nearly killed. Okay. So, so that's official. So yeah. Well, I guess that's official -ish. If Wikipedia is to be trusted. But, okay. But if anyone else took away mm. that, that they were killed, and it would, it would completely change how you interpret her character mm. in the last scenes of the show. Yeah. It would completely change it. Um, so I'm curious if you took it away. Because mm. here's the deal. If they intended for that to be clear that she hadn't killed them, but it wasn't clear, that's not good storytelling, is it? Yeah. yeah. If, if you're going for clarity and it's not it's one thing if you're going for ambiguity, that's fine. If you're not going for ambiguity and it feels ambiguous, you're done fucked up. Yeah. So that's something we need to be aware of. Uh, but anyway, that that's pretty much Jupiter's legacy. Uh, there is talk of doing more Mark Millar. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, Frank Quitely also uh, did the illustrations for this one. So oh, yeah. uh, credit to Frank Quitely as well for co-creating oh, the yeah. series. But, uh, but there's talk about doing more uh, superhero stories from Mark Millar at Netflix. Some of which might take place in the same universe as Jupiter's Legacy. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how that's going right now since Jupiter's Legacy wasn't a hit. Maybe they're still doing it. Maybe they're not. Uh, so it's possible we could see more of this again. Uh, but it does seem like this didn't really set the world on fire. I don't know how, how excited people are to see more of this, especially considering the general consensus of the show was... It was too slow and the cliffhanger wasn't very good. It's too slow. The cliffhanger is not very good. Uh, there's too much origin story stuff. It flirts with some interesting ideas that it doesn't follow through on. I can see why this didn't last. Yeah. It's really unsatisfying. And we haven't mentioned the, the Chloe character much because nothing happens with that character. No, I like her. I actually yeah, think yeah. she's, every time she like expresses the fact, what's it like to be a rebellious person who's actually there's a great scene actually i think it's my maybe my favorite scene in the whole where she's talking to her landlord no though that's a good one too there's a whole bit where she like some guy uh, some young superhero like slept with her and she mm. thought she was really cool but it turns out he just wanted to get a letter of recommendation for the superhero league <laughs> and so she 
punched him through a wall. Yeah. And so her landlord has like put an eviction notice and he punched through a wall. I don't want you living here anymore. And then she likes, while she's like doing superhero Coke with her superhero friends, just says, Hey person who can reverse time and shit. You mind fixing that wall? Are we good? (laughs) And the guy's like, just keep it down. (laughs) See with the landlord. That was my favorite too. No, that's not my favorite. My favorite one is actually, there's a bit where the utopian goes to her apartment. And he's brought bagels from New York. And she's like, I can't have those. I'm about to do a shoot. I can't eat anything bready right now. I have to look gaunt. And I'm like, cool. But uh, they just sit down and have a conversation over breakfast. Mm. That's it. And there's a bit where they actually talk pretty frankly about why they will never be able to see eye to eye. Mm. And how every single thing that she was taught held her to a standard she could never possibly achieve. So every single thing she has done has always been rebellious by def- by definition yeah. and it has come to define their entire relationship. And he can't see past the fact that they have to be a utopian ideal and just be a dad. Yeah. And as a result, they can never connect. That's actually pretty good writing. That's I actually good. like that I, I scene wish, with them. Uh, I wish they... He had had more to say. Like it was yeah. her moment, of course. But, yeah. Well, you know, he the, hasn't gotten there. Yet. He has. <clears throat> yeah, he's yeah. still. He, he understands something is wrong, but he can't break out of his yeah. cycles. And she has another moment like that with uh, with Leslie Bibb. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But unfortunately, Leslie Bibb doesn't get any lines in that scene. No, she really. just gets to listen. And I wish Le- wish mm-hmm. Leslie Bibb had give, been given a moment as well because I feel yeah. like her character was given a little. She's like I feel like she's the biggest star in the show. Mm-hmm. I've seen Leslie Bibb in the most things. She's one of the, like the founding members of the superhero team, and I feel like her character is really underwritten. They introduce her as this like plucky Lois Lane type reporter, mm. and she's great. Mm. And then she doesn't show up for three more episodes in that flashback, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? She should be here the whole time. A, she's Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb is great. Yeah, she's funny. She's charismatic. I buy her doing superhero stuff. I buy her doing the mom thing. Like she's really, really a versatile actor. I'm a huge mm. fan. Yeah. Uh, so that's a shame. And what I do appreciate at the very least is towards the end of the series, she does have it out with Utopian and said, Hey, listen, uh, when we started this, we were all equals and shit. And then we got married and you kind of took control over the whole ideology of the league. And I've just been kind of parroting what you say and do. And I'm a little sick and fucking tired of it. And I am tired that when I have a different idea than you about how to do superhero shit, you refer to it as dissension in the ranks. We are married. I am a person. I need to be able to express myself and disagree with you, you dick. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> that's great. I think that's great. She's good. She, I, I wish she had like developed more of an identity other than you know define mm. her husband. It, it would be nice yeah. if it certainly yes, a hundred percent, million percent, please. Um. Because that's the unfortunately, like the two uh, uh, most prominent female characters in this are a woman who has come to be defined by her husband and a woman who defines herself so much by her dad that she is now a drug it's, addict. It's, it's that's a, not great, which is another daddy issues thing, which well, is such a lazy screen. On top of being a daddy issues thing, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that Mark Millar has written that has been adapted doesn't have the best attitudes towards women. I don't think or no, really, probably more accurate, if that's endemic to his comic book writing, but the first Kingsman movie definitely yeah, isn't yeah, great with women. Uh, the Kick-Ass movies are definitely not great enough. with women. You're lucky, like, there, there's, like, 
There's a lot going there's, on. There's a lot of, there's cool. like a horrible moment in Kick-Ass 2, which is just really oh, yeah. awful. No, it's really, um, yeah, about, th- about its female characters. Uh, yeah, and here it's like, it's not as bad, but when you really break it down, you realize that the for the most part, the women on the show, are, or, or there's another one who seems really, really cool, but she's just there to get martyred. Mm. Not great. Mm. Just not great. Um, if the series had gone on, it would have followed the comics. I know a little bit about what would have happened in the comics. Some fucked up shit was going to happen in the, from, the, from the comics. Some some characters are going to die really, really bad. Uh, and it's going to get uh, really depressing and dystopian. Yeah. Uh, maybe <laughs> that would be great. We just take out, we killed, we killed the utopian or something like that. Or we've, we've banished him to Mars or whatever like that. We've gotten rid of him. And now the greatest superhero in the world is the dystopian. <laughs> Why not? Um... So well, I, uh, I think the next logical step would be for, and they suggest this in the last episode, that they just take over, mm-hmm. that they become the lords, that they do govern, yeah. and they do kill. And, and they what, become what a, happens when heroes, when people of great power do yeah, that. become actual fascists. Yeah. And again, that would have mm-hmm. been a bit more like Squadron Supreme. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, was Jupiter's legacy canceled too soon? No, I don't need mm-hmm. to see more of this. I feel like they they had their shot and uh, and they kind of blew it. Um mm-hmm. They set up some interesting concepts, uh, but the show is ultimately not about those concepts. The show is a little bit too rote after a while, yeah. and it becomes more about the machinations of the plot and yeah. the ultimate reveal that the bad, the good guy is actually a bad guy. Isn't that uh, doesn't, it, it's, is it? Yeah, it doesn't like change the show in any well, kind of fundamental way or even address a lot of the uh, moral issues that they had been well, bringing it up. It also feels like there's plot holes. Like, okay, if you were the one responsible for, like, putting, like, a fake Sky Fox in there shit or whatever, mm. you didn't need to yeah. have bring your daughter in to help you do that. You could have just mm. faked it and said you did it. Yeah. And then just, like, you, you made it way too complicated for mm. yourself. It makes no sense. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think this wasn't canceled too soon, which is a shame. There's stuff I really like in this. Yeah. I yeah. like the sense of grandeur, uh, that it has. Like the, the, uh, the, uh, the flashbacks elongated though they may be, mm. have some really cool moments in them. And I really like the way they end up. I think that's kind of exciting and, uh, uh, feels larger than life in a grand superheroic fashion. I think some of the cast is really, really good. Leslie Bibb is really, really good. Mm. Elena Camporis is really, really good. Uh, the guy who plays, uh, Hutch, uh, Ian Quinlan, I like him a lot. Um, but um, yeah, I think at best what this makes me want to do is maybe pick up some trades of this comic from my local library. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I, I would. I'm interested enough to kind of find out what happens more, but I also think that it's not really worth doing it as a show. Uh, so it's a bit of a shame. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that it had stuck with its thesis of trying to kind of addressing and deconstructing superhero tropes rather than just telling another story. Mm. Yeah. It's like, what, why are you, why are you resurrecting this particular property? What's special about this one that we need to have yeah. a, another superhero story mixed in if it's not going to do something at least a little different and yeah. it, it hints at it, but doesn't actually do it. And that's yeah. really frustrating. Well, okay. Well, in any case, that is it for the first installment of this year's suddenly last season. We'll be back next week. Hmm. Oh, yes. I will be back. And uh, we're going to be talking about another adaptation, another crime-fighting adaptation. This one's a quasi-remake. We're going to be talking about Lincoln Rhyme, The Hunt for the Bone Collector, Mm. uh, which is based on uh, the character uh, who also had previously inspired uh, the hit 1990s film The Bone Collector, starring Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. Uh, This one stars Russell Hornsby as a brilliant 
uh, uh, homicide so, detective but, yeah. uh, uh, who studies crime scene analysis, uh, who uh, in the hunt for a serial killer is paralyzed from the neck down mm-hmm. and uh, has to learn to rely on other people, in particular a young beat cop, uh, in order to continue the quest to fight bad guys. Mm. Uh, the original movie was all about the hunt for one serial killer. This one is about the hunt for that guy and also some other serial killers as well because it's still an episodic television series. <laughs> uh, so we'll be talking about that next time on Suddenly Last Season on Cancelled Too Soon. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for coming along. Yeah, we think you're cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, if you want more of our stuff, you can head on over. Uh, a, subscribe get a lot of mm. other shows here on this network for free but we also have a patreon patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network if you mm. want to hear us talk about every single episode of star trek every single episode of 1960s batman every single movie ever nominated for best picture we got podcasts dedicated to all that we got commentary tracks we got uh, online hangouts with our patrons mm. uh, and that's over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network if you want to talk about anything we discussed on this episode we'd love to hear from you our email address is letters mm. at critically we also have a P.O. Box. Whitney, what is that? Uh, it's uh, Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641-565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep, and uh, we might read your email or your letter on an upcoming episode of our podcast, We've Got Mail. Oh, yeah. We're also on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, until next time, that's the wrap and stuff. Anyway, we'll see you next season. <laughs> it's, our, it's, our, it's our new uh, catchphrase. That's a wrap and stuff. Meh. <laughs>